When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This week in Retronauts, we make some 8-bit sausage. everyone. It's Jeremy Parrish again with another Retronauts. You know my, my name, my voice, my podcast, etc. But do you know these guys? Guys, who are you? Introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, I'm Greg from uh, Retrotainment Games. And my name's Tim Hartman. All right. Greg, do you have a last name? Caldwell. Okay. There we <laughs> I do go. have Sometimes. a last name. That's <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, so Retrotainment is uh, here at Portland Retro Gaming Expo with us. And uh, you guys are showing off a couple of your... Uh, new NES games uh, as opposed to old NES games. There's lots of people selling old NES games on the show floor. Lots and lots. But um, there's there's a few people selling newer titles. Most of them are like Hey, it's it's Super Mario Brothers, but with Bowsette. Uh, whereas you guys have uh, taken a more, I think, um, creative approach, like actually, you know, going to the trouble of creating new games. So tell us a little bit about Retrotainment and kind of how you got to this point and you know what you're showing off here at Portland. Yeah. Uh, so right, we do we build our games from the ground up, completely from scratch, uh, all new code, all new assets. Um, and we're part of a great NES homebrew community that's continues to grow and continues to make uh, more, better, better games, different games. Um, every everybody takes a unique approach to it. Like you said, some people just want to go in and hack up old games and rearrange graphics or whatever. Um, and then other people are more into building it from scratch, and that's that's the approach that we took. Yeah, there aren't a lot of people who are doing the like ground up uh, kind of approach. I, I talked to this, uh, some guys from Mega Cat. Yeah. Earlier this year, yeah, yeah, and they guys. kind of yeah, they do so, something along the same lines. Yep. But I feel like their style is very different than yours. They're more focused around like two-player competitive gaming and like super high difficulty gaming. Uh, whereas I don't get the impression your games are quite that tuned to be like punch you in the nuts hard. It yeah, uh, they're challenging for sure. They're definitely an, an NES game, but right, not right, not but, like not compl- it's not like Holy Diver or something. Right, like that. exactly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But yeah, we uh, we got into this a couple years ago, and um, we made our first game, Haunted Halloween '85, and this was where we released it at. We made 30 copies of it, and we weren't sure if that was going to be it. Uh, we'd make 30 copies of a game and come out here, and nobody would care at all, and that we'd be done. Um, but we we got good feedback from it, and uh, we went home from here with a positive attitude about it, and we said, well, let's just roll right into the sequel. Um, so we released the sequel to that, and that's the game we just released on uh, Xbox uh, for you know people who – unfortunately, not everybody has an NES still. So we reach out uh, to a broader audience um, by releasing on other platforms. But yeah, the other thing that we're working on this, we- this weekend is the uh, Full Quiet demo, which is the new game that's currently in development. And uh, anybody that can come on out and give us feedback on it, we'd love to hear it. 
So you only made 30 copies of Haunted Halloween 85? Did you end up doing another press run or anything? Or well, initially. production run? Yeah, initially, initially we yeah. did because we weren't sure how everything was going to go. You know, we created a game. We weren't sure we could finish it, bring it to market, and um, we were able to do so. And then after getting rid of those initial first 30 copies, we thought, hmm, we should probably make a few more. Yeah. And we started doing that and we started promoting it and advertising it. And uh, it kind of caught fire in a way, if I guess if you could call it that. And um, we started shipping them out all over the world. And then we were able to get the game greenlit on Steam back when the greenlight process was still in play. And uh, yeah, and then just from there we thought we, we need to make a sequel. People have asked. And uh, we had a lot more thoughts and ideas and things that we could not fit into 85 that we wanted to get into 86, mm-hmm. which was the sequel. Yeah, yeah. for those who aren't familiar with your games, uh, tell us a little bit about ha- Haunted Halloween 85 and 86. Like, what kind of games are they so, and, and what uh, do you do? Yeah, so it's like platforming and beat-em-up mixed together. Um, they're, like we said, the difficulties there, there's some, there's some uh, pretty steep difficulty spikes throughout the game once you get into it. Um, but we feel like it's accessible. You can just jump right in and start playing and have fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's they're just kind of platforming beat 'em up games, and we have a little bit of story to them. Um, the kids from Possum Hollow, the town is the town becomes haunted on Halloween night, and Donnie and Tammy have to save the town by beating the crap out of all the haunts. And it's based in how you know around Halloween, so you know for me that's that's my Christmas. Mm-hmm. So you know when you're creating something that that you already love the environment, it's easy to do. You know, and we put a lot of our personal childhood and history into the game, yeah. whether it's streets or malls or stores. So we take things from the real world and bring them into the eight-bit world, as challenging as that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not like we're not game designers by trade or anything like that. So we kind of just been learning all of this on the fly. Um, and it's like he said for eighty-five, we weren't every step of the way. It was like, will this work? Can we do this? We literally got the parts for the cartridges the day we were getting on the plane to fly out here. We were assembling them in the hotel room the night before the show, and it, so it's just kind of been—it's been a whirlwind, and we've just been kind of figuring that, figuring everything out as we go. Right. We definitely learn every step of the way. Yeah. Even coming here, we learn new things all the time, and we're trying to, you know, innovate what we're doing to make it not only easier on us but better for the people that buy the games. So you guys said you're not game designers by trade. Had you had much experience with programming before you did this? Or what, what tools did you use to create the game? Zero experience. Um, there's uh, a forum on Nintendo Age called Nerdy Nights. That's where I think most people get started learning 6502 assembly language. And that's what we started digging into and kind of getting our feet wet. And how do you make graphics? Okay, you know, let's let's learn how to make graphics. Let's learn how to make uh, sound. You right, know. using FamiTracker, which is something I always wanted to play around with. Mm. And um, we were musicians for a long time, so that kind of helped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going on bands, getting in in a van, and going to different parts of the country, and just trying to you know make people love you. You yeah. know, and we got so like Tim would dig in. We just kind of divide and conquer, right? Tim dug into the music, learned to do family tracker, started making some music, some sound effects, and stuff. I started learning how to to draw sprites. Like, what what are the restrictions for that? Um, and then along the way, we met really great people that we were, were able to team up with. And that's what really accelerated everything. Um, mm-hmm. Damien, our programmer, he's the 6502 wizard. Uh, Zach, who I believe you've met before, um, mm-hmm. yeah. he does the background art. And okay. uh, and Thomas, who does the, the music. So we've just kind of broken it up into pieces and been able to assemble a great team and work with, you know, we're fortunate to work with great people. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like um, you guys went from zero to a, 
you know, a pretty decently sized operation with several people involved. What what prompted you to say, hey, we've never made video games, we've never programmed, let's make an NES game. Let's make a video game for a platform that's dead uh, and, and release it as a physical product. Like, that's a, I feel like that's a big kind of leap. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what's the, what's, what's in between there from zero to, you know, to full release? That's, yeah, a, that's good, a great question. Good question. For us, there's really nothing in between there. It was going from zero to a hundred instantly, right? So like, there was no, hey, let's try, uh, let's try learning to make a, a, a PC game. Let's start small on something. It was just like, we want to make an NES game. That's it. End of story. Um, we had other people offer to work with us to make PC games or you know retro style games or whatever, uh, but we were like, no, if it's not if we're not releasing it on cartridge, we don't want to do it. That was the key. the The goal was to get it onto the plastic, mm. yeah, at all costs. Right, right. Um, you know, we set out and and we did it. Like you know, you asked like we're retro fiends. You know, I'm I'm crazy about that stuff. I, I grew up collecting, buying and selling. You know, trading and. You know, the past, the 80s, it's, it's, it's in my wheelhouse. You know, I, I was born in 78, so I kind of got the best of that era growing up. And, you know, growing up playing the Nintendo or having a Sega Master System or an Atari, you know, that's something we just grew up with. And to be able to bring that back to life, what we thought was a, a dead form or, a dead, you know, a dead uh, platform, it wasn't. And... um yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the, the the best part about it's the community of people. That's what we found online that they're oh, you know, there's a bunch of people doing this. Like this is great. This is something that is a reality. And we've been fortunate to meet these people and work with them and just get to hang out with them and talk shop and you know, that's what's so great about this is just how how awesome the community is and how it continues to grow. You know, back to my sort of original question, like, what was the point at which you realized, oh, like, it's it's possible to make an NES game? Like, what made you kind of uh, sort of draw that connection, basically, to say, like, oh, we love we love to play these. Oh, we could also make our own and, and put it out on a cartridge. Like, had you been following the homebrew scene much or no, doing we had much always, emulation? We had talked about making an NES game, something we wanted to do. We didn't know it was a reality. It was just a pipe dream. Like, it, oh, yeah, imagine like, if we could do this. Right. You know, it's got to be possible, but we don't know how to code or anything, so we'll never. And then we stumbled upon Nintendo Age, right. and that was the game changer mm-hmm. because and, we realized what was there, the, the repository of information and all the people that are very helpful. And like chiptunes, you know, I listen to a lot of chiptunes, chiptune artists. Um, covers, and that kind of led us in a direction that yeah, yeah. people are st- still creating music because I always wanted to create that type of music, and we we you know through that it just led us down a path to certain shows and to, into nerdy nights that just said wow we could do this mm-hmm. we just have to put in a massive amount of time yeah we went to Magfest several years ago just to see what it was all about and that was mostly to hear a lot of the chiptunes that were there mm-hmm. so yeah that's a good point that was probably what initiated our interest in this sort of thing and then just for by looking for more of that kind of stuff we stumbled on a Nintendo age mm-hmm. yeah like when I was when I was younger I used to drive around to Nintendo songs on CD mm-hmm. I would put them in yeah. my CD player or tape player and everybody <laughs> thought I was weird but then I found out there's a thing called chiptunes, and people are still creating this style of music. It's a genre, and uh, I was happy to find it. 
Yeah, playing around with something like the Chip Maestro, if you're familiar with that. That was is that the Game Boy device? Uh, it's it's the NES one, right? Where oh, okay. you can hook a MIDI keyboard up to it and play it. Like that blew our minds, right? That that something like that was out there and could be utilized to to play literally play the chip, the sound chip of the NES. That was just something that we without never, emulation, completely authentic, tapping yeah. into the sound chip. Mm-hmm. Never so never thought it was possible. Everybody right? makes retro style sounds, but right. this thing actually gave you the authentic sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely that 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 makes good sense. The music led us to the game making for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that you've become sort of tapped into the homebrew community, are are there any you know uh, pe- other people's homebrew games that you look at and think like, man, those are amazing. I wish we could do something on those level or like you know personal heroes to you or anything like that. Hmm. Yeah, I think that w- one of the big people is Kevin Hanley, uh, Khan Games, uh, because he's been doing it for so long and made so many different kinds of games. And um, he was kind of one of the people we looked to early on. Like, yeah, this guy's got it. He knows what he's doing. He's he he finishes projects. You know, he doesn't. A lot of people will start things and dabble, and that's cool if you just want to get your feet wet. But he's like, I- I'm going to go at it, and I'm going to make a game start to finish, uh, largely on his own, uh, but with, of course, the support of the community. So. Early on, he was definitely one of the people uh, that, that we kind of looked up to. And then we got to meet him and find out that he's a cool dude. And, and So for sure, for me, that was one of the main people. Right. Well, his game, The Incident, is, in my opinion, one of the best. Yeah, very good game. Uh, homebrews you can play. It's a puzzle game. It's massive. It's 120 levels. There's a lot of time and effort into it. Um, and along with the narrative and the story, it's just – it's a deep game. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, if you can deal with excruciating puzzle games, I highly recommend it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. like – Joey Parcell, Memblers, who does chip tunes um, and has been doing it for years and years mm-hmm. and years. You listen to some of his old tunes that never even made it to games or cartridges, and they're just amazing. Yeah. And they're finally starting to make some of their um, – to find the light now on some of these smaller independent releases that he's allowing people to use their tunes on. Yeah. And now if you look at some of the some of the Kickstarters that have just come out, like Debs and Debs and uh, Micromage and stuff, mm-hmm. like you can see this groundswell. And well, to your to directly to the question you're talking about, we just played Micromages last night, and it is awesome. And there's so many things in there that they do that we're like, yeah, that's inspirational to see people doing something that good. And of course, they're making a 40k game, which is insane. Um, so we think we're being efficient. In, in, insane in the sense of like that's a tiny amount tiny, of data. Tiny. Yeah. Like ours is 512. Yeah, mm-hmm. which to most people they think that's insanely small. And then to us, we think that 40K is insanely small. To pull off a fantastic game, it looks good, it plays good, it's so smooth. Uh, so that's definitely one of the ones that uh, we look to. Yeah, I, I saw that in action on the floor. I didn't get to play it, but um, like it's the, worth your the, time. The, the movement and like the wall jumping and everything yes. is really impressive. I didn't Very. realize it was such a tiny cartridge. It is so smooth. And Super Bat Puncher was one of the things they worked on prior to that. And again, that's super smooth. Uh, so I, I can't leave that one out. As far, one of the things that gets me in video game development is the physics. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that game has fantastic physics. So for sure, that's one of the things that was inspirational. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's been important for you guys is to really nail the physics and the feel yeah. of the game. Right, especially in the combat, making it smooth, making sure when people pick up the controller and they run through our tutorial, they get it, you know, mm-hmm. and it feels good. They feel good about killing that zombie or knocking its head yeah. off. You know, that's that's half the battle if it feels good. Right. Then if it looks good, then hopefully you have a winner. Mm-hmm. Another guy I wanted to say, Bo Holland, Soul Goose, he does a game called Spookatron. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's an arcade style shooter. Twin stick. Twin stick, and it's very rad. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, there's just a lot of things that that we see out there, little things here and there that that people are doing. Nebs and Debs is another game that looks to be great. Um, it, we haven't got to play it yet, but uh, that that looks like it's going to be a fantastic game. There's just a lot of different things you see here and there throughout the community. Uh, someone named Franken Graphics does a lot of cool stuff on nestdev.com. Uh, she puts up things that she's working on, and it all looks fantastic. So I feel like the community definitely draws from each other. You know, we we obviously look to the past to say like, okay, that looks fantastic. You know, but that's Konami doing it. How can we do it? You know, in in the modern era, mm-hmm. right? So looking back at the NES era, you know, you guys were big followers of the the system. What what games did you most gravitate toward, and what 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 would have been your inspirations for the things you've been creating? Wizards and Warriors. I love that game. I love that series. Double Dragon. We played Baseball Stars for. Wow. More than any video game ever, ever for us. Yeah, um, we would make up our own leagues and have mm. tournaments and stuff. You know. Yeah, that was that was a. I'm not really much of a sports person, but the the depth available in oh. baseball stars and the yeah. way you could the player creation like, save your own ups. progress and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It grabbed all people, not just sports guys. Yeah, it was just so it was so well made, and yeah, at least you could be wacky with your names, right? And, and you, right. Like he's he learned he. Like he knows the right exact metrics to put in for the guy in order to have him bunt so that he can get on every time. Yeah, you you learn to play the game. You know, you learn the little nuances. We wanted to kill him as a kid because we (laughs) didn't understand. Yeah, but yeah. uh, Other than that, you know, for me, Metroid was huge. The first time you're dropped into this insane world and you just got to figure out what the hell you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Rygar was a big game for me growing up. And, uh, yeah, I feel like Rygar is one that doesn't get the credit that it really oh, deserves. It doesn't, I, don't, I don't think people really got it as like when it was new because it was so uh, much more expansive than something like Mario. And now people are like, oh, well, that's so primitive. There was never really a time where people, I think, appreciated what Rygar actually did. So it's cool. It's always cool to hear people who, you know, understand and respect the game. Yeah. That soundtrack is awesome. It's, it's fantastic, right. And playing, doing side-scrolling and top-down for parts of it, you know, it's mm. it's a very, very well-made game. Um, but you're, you're, you're absolutely right. When I say, like, people ask me what influenced me, and I say Rygar, and they're like, oh, that's a great game, you know. But nobody really brings it up as one of the, like, top NES games. Yeah, no, I feel like that's that's one of the, the sort of landmark games that quickly got forgotten. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it came out with a bunch of other games around the same time. I'm, I'm currently, you know, documenting 1987 in the NES. Mm, nice. And so, like, it was in between, you know, Castlevania and Metroid and Zelda and uh, a few other games, Section Z. Like, it just kind of got lost. It's yeah. a shame. Yeah. I only saw – so neither of us had an NES uh, growing up until much later. And we talk about that. That's That might be part of why we're obsessed with it now uh, because we wanted it as kids. But like when the NES came out, I finally got an Atari. Mm-hmm. He got a Master System. Yeah, God bless my dad. He went to buy a Nintendo <laughs> and some guy talked him into a Master System, so, yeah. which is cool and I respect that. But the problem is when you're growing up in the 80s and nobody has the Master System right. – you can't trade games, and, and nobody rented those games. Right. Yeah. So I was stuck playing Reggie Jackson baseball, Double Dragon, thank God, and pro wrestling. Yeah. So we get. So it was more like my neighbors that introduced me to games, and one of them happened to have Rygar, and I would just sit there and watch him play for hours and hours and hours. Like this is an amazing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We would find places to go, you know, after school to be able to play because we didn't have them. Yeah. Like okay, who who's who's got a Nintendo? Where where can we go? You know, yeah, today. Where can like, we have a baseball stars tournament? Because yeah. I didn't have the game, but I knew somebody had the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then uh, Super Tech Mobile for me is another one that's regular just like Tech Mobile or Super, but off the off the charts good for for me personally. But I, I guess when you're growing up, a lot of it is two player, right? So mm-hmm. um, the, the base that's why Baseball Stars was so big, Super Tech Mobile was so big because it's like there's nothing better than beating your friend. I think that's uh, definitely one of those things that um, really gave extra life to games. Like I, I recently was tweeting about how terrible Ikari Warriors on NES is. And <laughs> some people were like, yeah. But other people said, you know, I love that game because there weren't any other co-op games at the time. Mm-hmm. And I would play that for hours with my brother. Yeah. And, you know, once you know the, the, the cheat code to continue, which is the only way to get, you know, past like the second screen of the game. Right. Um, then it's just, you know, two two kids spending hours blowing stuff up together, which is, there's a certain appeal to that. It's hard hard to argue with that. Even if it's totally janky, it's still like, Hey, you're killing stuff with your brother or sister or friend. There's that bond there. Yeah. And you learn to get around the jankiness of it, right? Like, and eventually that just becomes part of the charm for some people. So yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me a little bit about the other game that you're working on. Quiet. Oh, full quiet. Full quiet. Yeah. uh, So it's more of an open world mystery adventure kind of game. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, really trying to build this out as a fully realized 3D world but where you only ever see it from 2D side-scrolling platforming angle. So um, it's it's a pretty tall task but from the feedback that we're getting here and the feedback that we got at PAX West, um, it's reading properly. Mm-hmm. So that was really important to us. Like what what – how do people navigate a sort of open world like this? Is it more about – the cardinal direction that they're going? Is it about looking at the map all the time or are they looking for more local cues? And from what we've gathered, it's the local cues that mean more than anything to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Which we did not anticipate at right. all. So now we're going back through our backgrounds and like making sure we put in markers at, at significant places along the way so that people can navigate more easily. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Even looking back to Metroid, like the way they colored different yeah. rooms, uh, you know, like one would be yellow, one would be red. Right. So even though they had the same graphics, you could still knew like oh, I'm in this long room and it's got this kind of rock, but these rocks are gold yeah. instead of blue, so right. I know where I am. Yeah, like the two long vertical shafts, one's blue and, and one's gold, and, and that's all you need, right, mm-hmm. to to know. So those are the things that we're kind of picking up on and now we go back through back in and, and sort of at, sprinkle those things in here and there to try to help people with what we think is would be the biggest barrier to getting into the game would be navigating a 3D world in 2D all you know all the time. Mm-hmm. We're also getting analysis on the feel. Yeah, the the general feel, the physics, the shooting mechanic, uh there's no there's no bullets like on-screen bullets that you see like Mega Man you shoot three bullets at a time or whatever. So it's it's instant bullets, right? Which is oh, more so of a hit scan. Hit scan, right? right. NES doesn't do hit scan. No, like, I've never seen an NES game. With well, it that. does now. <laughs> okay, um, well, there you go. So, well, actually, it's not that the the platform didn't. It's just no one on the platform ever bothered to right. try. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was actually something that uh, uh, Damien, our programmer, was really excited to to tackle uh, because we, we kind of had discussed it early on. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to pull it off, if it would read or, or whatnot to the player. But again, the feedback that we've been getting from these events, it, it's all been really positive. So that's uh, like we can breathe a huge sigh of relief mm-hmm. on that. Are you looking much to uh, the NES Friday the, the 13th for this game? Because that also kind of did like a side-scrolling horror open world 
not necessarily that well, but that's another one that was like super ambitious and I, I think I think you know people who really got into it at the time and kind of learned its quirks uh, really developed a lot of respect for it and have really fond memories of it. Uh, it was definitely a messy game with a lot of problems, yeah. but you know the developers, I think that was Atlas, uh, were really. Like they really wanted to do something different with that game as opposed to just like walk left and punch stuff. Yeah, right. I think they did. I mean, they definitely pulled off a unique experience on the NES. It definitely gets bashed a good bit, um, but you know that that happens when you try something new, right? I still can't figure out where the hell I'm going on there. Mm. So even to this day, I, I, I I'll go back and play it. Um, but I still – it's like you look at the map every three seconds to try to figure out where the hell you are in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an example of what not to do for you. I, I guess. Well, <laughs> it's a cult classic. you got to pay attention to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if There's, we're drawing any elements from that. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because we probably should be. Yeah, we probably should be playing but, that game. But we never really talk about that as far as like inspiration for what we're doing. But now that we, you lay it out simply like that, yeah, okay, right. It's kind yeah. of kind of creepy, right? It's in the woods. It has like You a, guys are so making cool. Halloween games. I mean, yeah. I guess Halloween and Friday the 13th are two different franchises, but you get what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, well, yeah, Full yeah. Quiet isn't part of the Halloween series. That's totally separate. Yeah. It's right, new, right, right, right. But, sure, but it's still like, creepy. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, got the still... you got the you know your Christmas spirit in there. <laughs> right, of course. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So um, now that you mentioned that, we will definitely go back and play. That's great advice. <laughs> we can do that tonight. That's uh, what I'm here for. Take, right. <laughs> take a look at that. Uh, but yes, it, mostly for full quiet, we're trying not to to make it like something we've seen. You know, we're mm-hmm. just trying to think of it as its own sort of self contained thing. Uh, I know that's impossible to do. You're always drawing influences from from different places. But we're not thinking like, okay, we need to do uh, mechanic A. Let's go find a game that does it well and try to emulate that. It's just kind of like let's try to figure this out just piece by piece on on our own. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's great. I mean, it's it's always good to be able to look back and see, you know, what happened back in the day. What did people try to do? What did they fail to do? Yeah. But, but it's also you know good to just say let's try this thing and, and see what happens. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like an interesting and ambitious game, and that's another five twelve game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd rather try and fail than not try. Yeah. I guess is what it comes down to. Yeah, if it's a bust. We can at least say, well, we learn from it, and there, there's definitely a lot of things we can take to the next game then that yeah. we've learned well, from we, this experience. Well, we kickstarted it. We had over 500 backers. Mm-hmm. It's still on backer kit for pre-order, which people can get the limited edition Silver Shell. And um, people continue to pre-order it, and we're very thankful and humbled. And um, we just hope that the work we continue to show off you know, is continues to be as well-received as it has been. And people are into the puzzle. You know, we've showed one puzzle thus far that's uh, mid-game, and um, it's I love the puzzle. I could play it all day. Yeah, so it's not just all about shooting and killing things, right? It's not like Contra where you just run through the whole thing right. and kill everything. You've got to figure out what you're doing, mm-hmm. and there are some puzzle elements to it. So, again, finding the right balance, like that's something mm-hmm. that we've never done before, um, making a game like this and, and balancing it out. Uh, it was probably easier with just a platforming beat-em-up. Um, I mean, I guess I say that. It was easier. Maybe it was because we made an original, the original game, and then the sequel. So we already kind of had a feel for the general game. Um, 
but yeah, that's just stuff we're working through. And, and again, that's why we look to the community to give us feedback and, and come to these events to see what's working and what's not. All right. Well, I know you guys need to get over to the show floor oh, and yeah. do your stuff today. Uh, you're, you're showing you're showing these games on the floor, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, I'll have to try to make it over there if I'm on the floor today. Yeah, please check do. Them out. Yeah, please do. Uh, but yeah, to wrap up, why don't you guys tell everyone where we can find you individually and also your projects online? Well, you can uh, find everything out about us at retrotainmentgames.com. And uh, right there, you can see a little bit about the company, the products that we offer, the games that we've made, and um, all the links to our social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash retrotainmentgames, at retrotainmenthq on Twitter. Instagram is retrotainmentgames. And I do all the social media, so I'm on there all the time. So anybody listening that wants to ask questions or have any trouble finding us, just please reach out to me. We're in tons of groups, Facebook groups. The uh, retro groups are really good to us. We're very thankful yeah. for people putting up with our ads and, you know, <laughs> posting about our games and such. But it's uh, it's like Greg said, it's a great community, and um, that's how you can find us. And we're in aisle five today at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Yeah, 532. 532. Booth 532. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when do you anticipate uh, full quiet being out? Is that for this year, next year? So initially we were thinking like fall of this year um, and lo- it was largely contingent on how things went this weekend. Uh, so we're still going to shoot for that. It might push into early 2019. Um, but it's more about – everybody that we've talked to says the same thing. Just finish. Please finish the game. Make it. Don't cut it off just to hit some arbitrary date or something like that. So we're very thankful that people, you know, allow us that that grace period of like when when you say you're going to launch and then okay, you get a little bit of extra time to polish things. So late this year, early next year. That's, that's yeah. The game's too important to rush. And the feedback that we're getting, even I, I was talking to two girls yesterday that knew nothing about retro gaming in terms of like homebrews actually being made, and they thought. It was the best thing they ever played, which was really cool. And they were like, you know, is this the whole game? Can we buy it now? And we're like, no, this is just an excerpt. And they thought, you know, so they took on my name and number. And, you know, so it's it's really nice to get new people to play the game. Mm-hmm. And for us to finish it is very important, yeah. not just rush it. All right. Well, good luck on, on that and uh, hope it hope it turns out well. Well, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for trying it out on. myself. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for taking the time on. from the show. Um, so we can't thank you enough. Yeah. yeah, enjoy the rest of your show. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, I probably will see you next year. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. yeah.